minds in the game hosted by adam camilleri art of war down under hello you lovely babes and babettes we are here with the the wacky week show episode 86 of the art of war down under podcast my name is adam camilleri and we're taking a bit of a detour because everything's been thick and dense and crazy with the last couple of codexes haven't really had a break to really kind of drink it in talk some crap and just enjoy being on a podcast with my mates so i am joined by two of those mates uh first and foremost being peter the falcon hello Cardi Cardi, you too sir and val the hefe heffel finger every falcon needs a place to perch you know it's true that's right that's right it's true usually it's cliff side that's right. For those of you who don't know what we do every now every now and then on this show, because my show does get pretty dense, it does get pretty thick and girthy with uh, how it goes about uh, you know producing content, putting things out to you guys. And so every now and then, I let just get my friends on, just talk some crap about life in general. Sometimes it's about 40k. Sometimes it's about other games that we enjoy. Sometimes it's about the weather, uh, random TV shows from our childhoods, etc. Don't oversell et this. Mm. Don't oversell um, this, Adam. It's true. I mean, it's tr- it's if they're lucky, true. we'll get to the weather. Yeah, if they, if they are so blessed. But the part two of this one, um, I asked for candid questions from my patrons and subscribers, and I said everything's on the table as long as it's not racy, as long as it's not um, political or anything to do with something like that. If we if it's a top or, or breaches any NDAs me and my guests may have we will speak to it and so i have a bunch of questions related to various topics uh that we're going to go to in part two if you want to get that part two please go over to patreon look up art of war down under or go over to the art of war 40k.com and you can become a patron or and subscriber of my podcast in addition to the wonderful flagship vanilla art of war goodness and also art of war unbroken by the wonderful blake law so gentlemen how you been what's going on peter what's new in your world Oh, you know, not much, not a whole lot, you know, just life stuff, trying to get my life back in order and, uh, you know, living and, oh, I don't know. I'm not like stuff's going on in the background. I'm just waiting to, for, for like official announcements before I say anything myself. But, um, yeah. Sounds exciting. Oh, it is. It is. Yeah. Val, you know, (laughs) some would say, Val, what's new with you? What's going on? What's new with me? I am, uh, I don't know, I'm having a delightful time, as always, uh, being the Artful Dodger of the Frontline Gaming Network, bouncing around various shows, completely gapping out and missing the Thursday show last week. <laughs> wow. We did, we did a good show. And, I know, like, you, know, we, you guys nailed yeah, it afterwards, yeah. but like, <laughs> literally, I was like, don't worry, Rich, our normal producer, I got this, you can have a nice night with your wife, I got you, baby, because he's filled in for me a bunch already this month. And uh, I um, just hung out with my wife and probably looked at my phone for a while, just strolled into the office, whistling, everything was great. And then, and then I opened our chat and uh, pooped my pants because uh, it was like, it's like those dreams. I don't know if you ever had them in university where you like sleep through an exam, except it wasn't a dream. I, I didn't went to university. It wouldn't let me. No, that's fair. That's fair. Well, <laughs> there are these things called exams and uh, yeah. they're important. You don't want to sleep through them. Fair. Um, just so you know, me and my co-host of the Thursday show literally told nobody why we didn't have the live show on Thursday. So you've 
we told nobody. We protected your integrity, Val. Uh, but you cannot protect on the contrary. Yourself. On the contrary, that that is a threat to my integrity. Really, the, uh, integrity requires that one owns their we, errors and mistakes and lapses in judgment. We literally just said there were technical issues. Uh, we're recording it as a <laughs> podcast and releasing it later. Uh, technically, there was an issue. <laughs> there, there, there was uh, technically an issue and a technical issue. There was no one to record the show. So, anywho, there you go. The the honesty of the man himself. Much much a plum and a props to you, good sir. Um, I don't understand why people don't just fall on their sword more often. I don't know about you guys. Um, anytime, anytime I've been, you know, my hand in the cookie jar or whatever, I just fall. I just fall on the sword. It's worked I, out. I like usually, I usually, yeah, exactly right. I usually leap upon my sword very dramatically, <laughs> mm-hmm. and there, and then nobody can say anything. Like exactly, yeah. it's just a like, no-brainer. Oh, it's a no-brainer. I can't, I can't, I can't point at that guy. He's he's pointing at himself thoroughly. Jeez. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's, just, you, you, it's like you friggin' kung fu it into like sympathy for for a while. <laughs> yeah, and, and somehow respect as well. It's like you do yourself a favor, but yeah, it's weird. Peter, are you a sword jumper, a sword flinger? No, no, hey. I I take no blame for anything that ever happens in my life. Sweet, as one so should. Yeah, here we have both sides of the coin. Mm-hmm. I hear a small child in the background. Yeah, my daughter just decided to come in and uh, is looking for particular toys. So um, I may be on and off trying to figure out what she means. Um, so what? What's her favorite TV show? Um, like, what do kids watch these Bluey. days? Bluey. Bluey is her favorite TV show. Australian cartoon, mm-hmm. fantastic. Check it out. Yeah, yeah, Pete it is. Really it is actually the greatest um, children's show of all time by by a long shot. I think so. As someone who I has mean, watched I, many. I, my so I've got two I've got two nieces and two nephews and there's like a gap between it's like they're almost two different generations they're that far apart um, and one of them grew up one set of niece and nephew grew up watching Peppa Pig and I hated the crap out of that show I thought yeah, she was what? the most insufferable little turd Peppa all right yeah yep and I watched Bluey and I'm like this is this is amazing this is good quality viewing I'll, I'd happily sit down and watch Bluey. Do you think, like, I, Pete has has said some very high uh, high minded things about Bluey uh, to the point where I'm like, do I like watch it with my son? No, he's he's almost two, but you know he loves the Peppa, and I got nothing wrong, but, nothing wrong with Peppa. It's a bit, it's a bit like uh, I think plainly written by Gen Xers or like maybe like young baby boomers. Like, she sucks. Like, there's all kinds of stuff in it that's like, that's not relevant to a kid. Like, at one point, they're, like, reading a map. I'm like, what, the, yeah. what gives a shit about maps? Like, kids don't... I don't know. I don't even know what a map is. Anyway. Uh, it's so good. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic tangent. Um, I mean, I, I was going to maybe translate that into talking about DuckTales or some other incredible Woo-hoo. cartoon from our, from our bygone era. Do you remember Gummy Bears? They were what bouncing like, here and there and everywhere, have- yes. And everywhere, yeah, they stick in my head. I think we've done this chat before, though, Peter. For some reason, mm, I remember us talking about gummy bears before. I don't. I didn't know there was a gummy bear tie-in show. Oh yeah, this like is, back uh, in the eighties. <laughs> back yeah, in the in the eighties, yeah. it was Disney. Um, they fought uh, trolls. I think um, that was like the big thing. There was gummy berry juice that they drank that made them bouncy and strong, yep. and that yep. was like the whole shtick. I think it was legitimately just Care Bears, but gummy bears. Yeah. And some more delicious. Yeah. I think there was like a, there was like a I'm roller coaster. I think they met like mystery yes. gummy bears at one point for, that were living in a castle. Um, yeah, like very and, and to, yeah. To be fair, like Care Bears was just Smurfs. Oh, wasn't it? I didn't ever realize that this was gummy bear related. 
Oh, you, you <laughs> knew the show. I know the yeah, I knew the oh. show, but I didn't. I didn't. I don't think as, as a child I ever realized what the name of it was. Yeah, fascinating. Yeah, I mean, cool. it may oh. have been in the theme song. Yeah, that theme song is the thing that stuck with me more than anything else. Yeah, and, and funnily enough, doopy. the fact that I. Uh, they used to live in a treehouse, yeah. Something like that. Uh, I don't remember. Yeah, I remember a treehouse. Do you know what was? Do you know? Do you know? Uh, all right, best toy line from a kids show in our generation. Gobots. Oh, I mean, Gobots. It wasn't. It wasn't Gobots. But well, I don't know what that is. It was. It was the Transformers before Transformers. People will look at it and be Ooh. like, they copied Transformers. Transformers actually copied them, but just like went. Way better. Like, <laughs> a la, like a, a, a la Power Rangers was to Voltron. Uh, yeah, I guess you could say. Except, I don't think Power Rangers was better than Voltron. I think that's it was. That was not. Was that's not. a it stretch. Was vastly inferior. It's it a was stretch, sir. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I have to go with what my child brain would have said in the moment, and that would clearly be Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. That was a pretty good show. Ooh, that's a good call. I um, when I moved out of my previous house, I have the entire underground sewer. Uh, base. I got the whole oh thing my. still. Even with the the crappy cardboard backing, it's like yep. in tatters. Like the fence on the top. Yes, yes, the fence, man. It's still there with all the posters on it of the Shredder and the Foot Clan and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, I've yeah, still yeah. got it. It's in tatters, but I still got the whole thing. That's, that and thing I, is like that thing is like a, takes up a lot of real estate. For yes, a really lame toy. Yes, a it's, phenomenal. It's for the kids whose parents didn't get to the store in time to buy the Technodrome. Mm-hmm. So you mm-hmm. got you got the sewer instead. Or the or who's the parents who couldn't afford the GI Joe battleship? Yeah, oh, or the, like, who could? The remote Oof. control island, like oh yeah. Jesus, yep. Okay, so I have two. I have two that I think possibly better than those. One of them is Dino Riders. Oh, Dino Riders was fantastic. The only issue was those toys broke like a. Uh, they broke so easily. I because I played with them ferociously <laughs> as a child would they were not built to last you bought them <laughs> they were spindly as hell very poor quality plastic but they were the coolest thing you'd like my my six-year-old brain had ever conceived it was like an armored rocket firing stegosaurus it was the greatest thing ever oh yeah um and of course my oldest brother got the t-rex because he's a bastard um <laughs> 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 I never got uh, any. I other... asked every Christmas for like two years. Never got a single Dino Rider. Uh, I never, uh, I never directly experienced Dino Rider, but I don't know if you guys had this experience of like going to play at your friend's house who had like an older sibling. So like I had like yes. the picked over bones of Dino, like the like mm-hmm. the like the like broken, incomplete refuse of Dino Riders. So like yep. I never, never really knew what they were, but there there were some like somewhat functioning dino riders i know in various toy bins that i would uh, frequent fantastic i i relate to that as well i there was an older couple of boys who lived down the road around the corner and my oldest brother was the same age as the younger brother of them and every time every now and then we go over there and they would just have like a plethora of toys that just were insane the only one i think is better than dino riders was exo squad Mm mm-hmm Maybe. Ooh, I mean that's a they, later era. That is a later era. That's like too old to be playing they, with toys in my neighborhood. That was, but those were like great quality, well built, and oh, yeah. I beat the crap out of them, and they they lasted years for this. So I feel like yep. plus plus that cartoon had a phenomenal story. In those days, I was playing a lot of. Uh, well, actually, probably a little bit after that, I would have been playing a lot of Mech Warrior. Mm-hmm. Oof! Yeah. Full joystick mech warrior. Yeah. Yeah, man. That was the time to be alive. How did you how did you how do you feel knowing that was the peak of our existence? 
Like, <laughs> <laughs> I think I might disagree. I might disagree. <laughs> yeah, my 30s have been pretty good. <laughs> Man, my, my teens and 20s. Oh, boy. <laughs> there's, there's, a, there's a good, there's a good uh, biography in there somewhere. You could, you could like, just oh, before wait. you go into politics, just write the story of it. And boom. It's like, so it's like the ultimate the fall on the sword. I was about to say, so I can fold all the swords before they, 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 they <laughs> dig any up on me. It's fantastic. <laughs> um, so here's, here's a model. Here's a toy range. I'm not quite sure qualifies as a toy range, but they're the greatest toys ever. The McFarlane Spawn series. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Not posable the, enough. That's what I thought. They're not quite toys. That's what, I, that's what I feel. But they're like the best. That's like the peak of the genre. But I mean, as as like anyone who might still be listening, uh, probably lost them a while ago, but um, <laughs> might might think like when I think of McFarland toys, I immediately think like why can't like war war games like do this? Because like McFarland toys have some pretty complicated color schemes and like excuse me, oh that was gross. No one, don't drink carbonated beverages. No one, while it. no one heard it. Your mic is too. Well, I don't heard it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you wow. fell on a you fell on a sword for nothing. Damn it. Um, <laughs> can't help myself. Uh, regardless, what I was trying to say is like, like you know what I mean? Like they were they were really like fancy toys too. Like they had like yeah. a lot of layers to the colors, mm-hmm. and they they were yeah more like collector's items. I don't, but that that seems like a complicated process. I wonder how that happens. Yeah, the painting of them is quite insane. That if if, if well, I, um, you got to assume they're not hand painted, so because they're mass produced, and therefore, like, how do they do? that much detail it's it's phenomenal yeah we'll be getting a paragraph on the youtube comments literally around this point like someone who's who knows somebody who knows somebody who worked in mofala manufacturing who's giving us like a nine point detailed synopsis i'm going to enjoy reading it thank you to you sir madam of course when i googled this immediately the first thing that comes up is uh an incredibly repainted one by louise from games workshop yeah oh my god it's absolutely bananas beautiful wow. would you yeah could you would you strip it would you strip it before you painted it because she didn't she looks like she painted over it wow she's, the, she's with the existing stuff there as a base coat by the looks of it she's incredible yep. yeah Her, yeah yeah <laughs> incredible um warhammer warhammer plus let's yeah. let's 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 talk let's talk a bit um no one's really talking about it i haven't bought it i don't know what's going on with it have you either you guys patrons of it? I I purchased it um, and then canceled um, almost right away. But I canceled in such a way that I would at least have it for the full year. Um, it's okay. Um, you know the Exodite new series is okay ish. Um, although now they're late on an episode and I'm and it seems real weird. The Blood Angels one was a garbo potato. I didn't like it at all. No. So I don't know. Me, eh, as they would say. Yeah. Did you get your model? I have still have not gotten my model. Okay. Was it was that a Jason show where we talked about that, Pete, or was that a different conversation I had recently? I think it was a different conversation. I was still part of said conversation, but it was a different one. Oh, okay. Um. Yeah. Apparently, you have to stay for the whole year to get the toy. So that's. Oh, okay. Even if you pay up front, like I, I me and Pete, apparently have the same uh, disease, and I was like, yeah, I'll just pay up front. So I paid for the whole year. Uh, I've logged into it once, um, and that was to look at old white dwarves from when they yep. were still releasing Warhammer Fantasy content. Oh, oh damn! That's actually, I, that actually sounds really cool to me. I'm it actually, 
it was fun. It, it like I went back and looked at. I think it was the second wave of the ogres I was reading mm-hmm. about. Um, there's some cool stuff in there around the sort of the design thoughts behind um, what they were doing. Was particularly that, go ahead. Sorry, but sorry to interrupt because that was a kit that that really pushed another level of model design. Was the, the second wave of the ogres when they had all the little knoblar bits? It was the Mornfang, the Stonehorn, the Thunder Tusk came out. Yep. Yeah, it really was un- like the whole concept of models went to another level, I believe. Yeah, you can really see, especially in the Stonehorn, the like, I don't know, the um, CAD design elements to it, mm. or like it just it, the sharpness of its features and, and the complexity of all the bits and parts that come with it. Also, mm-hmm. the weird uh, cannon on the back of the Rhinox or whatever it is. Recently found out that Mornfang's. Are not Rhinoxes for some reason? No, they're not. Actually, no. It was from that article. Yes, yeah, because yeah. I found out that Rhinoxes were a thing from Forge World. Yeah, the Rhinox mm-hmm. Rider, separate, which was bad, yeah. um, unfortunately. It was, yeah, it was, but it, it was, was cool. Um, yeah, they instead of going with something they already had, they uh, created something brand new. More in Fang Cavalry. Yep, which were very briefly yep. <laughs> something that everybody was terrified of, um, based on stat line. Broke. Yeah, yeah, monster. Like it was so weird. Eighth edition fantasy. There was two things people were scared of. They were scared of forty crappy infantry with amazing like uh, wizard like magic support. Mm. Like cause sometimes you would just play against uh, Malkos mind raised freaking uh, dark elf spearmen, yeah. and you'd be like, "That's the scariest thing I ever freaking seen." Yeah, because they're they're gonna fight first at strength eleven or whatever. Yeah, um, strength ten. Taking yeah. Notes. Yeah. <laughs> keep going, keep going. Uh, so Melkos Miasma exchanged your leadership with your strength value. Oh. Um, it was absolutely ridiculous. And because you had always strikes first, you re-rolled the hit if you were double. Uh, so it was a greater or if you were double your opponent's uh, initiative. If you, had, initiative. You, you had to be greater than your opponent's initiative. And, yeah. 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 Anyway. Yeah. And then there was uh, Monster Cav, which wasn't the stone. Was, wasn't like I, I started playing Ogres just as the Mournfang were dropping off. In fact, I didn't even own Mornfang until the end of that. I was playing just little bricks of stuff, which was ended yeah. up being phenomenally good. Um, but it was the was it the skull crushes, the blood crushes, the mm-hmm. no skull crushes, the chaos crushes, warrior the chaos ones, ones yeah? that were um, like armor two plus or whatever. Yeah, yeah, they were absolutely ridiculous. Um, and they they were you know mark of corn. They'd come in with like six or seven attacks each and an impact hit and a stomp. I, I can't remember that actually. I think I did have an impact hit. Um, and they were just absurd they were so good uh and it was weird because you don't know like that's that's where atheist and fantasy got to like i remember 40 halberdiers at one point was the scariest thing to my ogres because um, <laughs> they'd have 40 halberdiers and then they'd have a freaking uh, a warrior priest in there and they'd have a witch doctor with the speculum that switched stat lines with you so it it would it would like make way to get next to my ogre tyrant who was like a baller who was just like would kill anything and then he would just like Switch stats, switch stats with my ogre tyrant, and my ogre tyrant would become a two wound nobody. I like, <laughs> it was horrific. I like when rules cause me to like visualize the like mechanic because make way for those of uh, you at home who, uh, uh, well, I'm going to tell you anyway. Um, make way allows you to move a character from somewhere else in your big square block of, of the formation to another spot in the formation, like front row next to your tyrant, apparently. And uh, I just love the idea of him like barging through all the bros and be like, "That's how I kick his ass." <laughs> yeah, see, massive dude, get out of my way. He's mine. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Um. You're, so Pete, I know you and me go way back talking about fantasy, but Val, you're quite new to this party. 
how do you yes yeah, so you're, you're you're pretty I'm you're pretty, getting into it i'm pretty late man like there's just like a bunch of like, like half like... drank drinks with cigarette butts in them <laughs> yeah yep how... people passed out on the couch they got dicks drawn on their heads it's not a great <laughs> scene right now how do you quantifying playing and enjoying this long dead game well uh, uh C- captain dicky uh producer of frontline gaming network podcasts uh and i have a matchup scheduled this Saturday, Saturday, Saturday. Dwarfs, probably, he's going to play Dwarves. And I think I'm going to bring out the Ogres. The Dayton Ogres. And oh, it's, no. uh... Because <laughs> I just feel like they're the easiest thing to, like, put on the table the first time. Uh, you don't have to play them very complicated. And same thing with Dwarves. So I think it's a pretty good straight matchup. That's fair. Ask him how many artillery pieces he's bringing. Mm-hmm. And then adjust accordingly. Well, he's using my stuff, so... It's, okay. it's probably two cannons, an organ gun, and a grudge thrower. Don't let him have two cannons. <laughs> just put it out there don't do that to yourself <laughs> one of each is cool uh like if you uh, yeah yeah one of each is cool like losing <laughs> losing three ogres a turn to a cannonball to two like i i you could have a rank of like three by of nine just i nine ogre bulls and lose six of them in a turn because of two cannonballs and then you do, i mean that's gone. probably true yeah I mean, he has to roll pretty well because he has to roll a two plus and then a three plus and a two plus and a three plus and a two plus and a three plus. So it's I'll unlo- have, yeah, I'll, it's I'll un- have my counter firing yeah. fucking chariot cannon. Yeah, well, you have to for a turn. My yeah, <laughs> my my eighth edition uh, like tournament winning Ogarami had two of those starting in every list. Two, that seems two to be the that seems to be the uh, the starting thing for all ogre lists I read is two of those bastards. Um, I have one, and I have another one that's in parts. But do you, do you have any tips for our boy Pete? Um, man, the thing that I hated the most back in the day for playing against ogres was lead belcher spam with the two iron blasters. Lead belchers were so good, like um, way too good. Yeah. So you got those because I always hit- run those. And if you're playing against dwarfs, and he's a smart dwarf player, um, he's not. Okay. Well, I was gonna say, <laughs> it's like expect expect a draw. Just, just expect yes. to draw. That's yeah. Don't don't be excited if you draw. Okay. Um. See the uh, the the issue I always had with the dwarf matchup is well, I'd be saying for anybody is that you you have like two artillery pieces and they'll have three or four and then they'll also have like two or three gyrocopters. Yeah, I saw actually Ash to... Ash from uh, I don't know what his what his channel Gorilla Gorilla Gaming. Yeah. There you go. Uh, but he used to be the guy on uh, on on mini wargaming, uh, and I think we talked about this. And it like, and he was there with uh, uh, Steve the Mountain, who now carries the, the fantasy torch pretty much on on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And um, but they had both, I think, gotten hired to do um, War Machine originally, which was always like, I mean, mini wargaming could probably try as hard as I could to make that game boring to watch and and <laughs> uncompetitive. <laughs> Hey! Hey! Oh wow, there's the savage um, but um, but uh, those guys obviously were probably pretty tuned up to at least try hard, and they do. So one of the one of the lists that I saw uh, run for the first time on uh, between those guys uh, featured um, Ash versus <laughs> one of the basement collective guys. Throwback to oh, wow. stuff a little while ago. Yeah, man. And he was playing ogres, and Ash was running dwarves, and uh, had three gyrocopters. Uh, and it and it seemed like such a cool way to play dwarves because I feel like otherwise they're just gonna stand there, mm-hmm. and like it allowed it allowed him to sort of go harass things. He like 
flank charge one of the what is the actual name of the chariot cannon? Iron Blaster. Iron Blaster. He, yeah, so he was able to flank charge the Iron Blaster and like just make it run away at, through combat resolution, which I was like, <laughs> yeah, it's hilarious. Anyway, uh, yeah, no, I'm pretty excited to give it a shot. Um, it's a nice palate cleanser from from the uh, the world of 40k, which you know I'm I'm happy to take a little time out from right now. That's fair. That's what this whole episode is for anybody who's frustrated at our lack of 40k talking. That's because I these gentlemen we talk 40k all day every day. This is literally the palate cleanse. For the the whole community, we're just going to sit here and talk whatever crap we feel like. Mm-hmm. Um, but the problem with that matchup when I was playing ogres competitively was that I I found the right move with my iron blasters. If I went first, was to shoot the gyrocopters, not yeah. to try and take out their artillery pieces. And it was so counterintuitive to me because of how much damage I could I could cop every turn. But if I let the gyrocopters live, I never made combat. Like I'd, I'd never connect with anything. So mm-hmm. the gyrocopters had to go for me to actually play a game, and sometimes I still lost. So yeah, yeah, I can see that. Like, the, especially if the person knows what they're doing. Yeah, if they know yeah. what they're doing, um, like you get that like stupid, um, unchargeable uh, long beard block or something, and you're just like, cool. So you're gonna kill me, and when I finally get into a place where I can get you into combat, um, you're gonna reduce my charges by what was it? Something stupid like. Mm-hmm. It was what was it? Do you remember Adam? But like, how, if you put all three runes on it, it was. I was like, you no, rolled like d sixes. Yeah, yeah. You only rolled like one d six for charge, and then they mm-hmm. got to roll a d six and reduce your charge by that much. So you ended up mm-hmm. sometimes having like a negative charge distance, and you're like, this <laughs> is move cool. Backwards. Thank move backwards. You. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. That that eighth edition dwarf book was legit. It was, it was really actually good. really good. It was real. I mean, yeah. there's a reason why they like got a lot of ten uh, tens because like they didn't yes. usually. Uh, kill a whole lot of your shit but you just never killed any of theirs like so that's that's what i was uh what i was gonna ask is like so as i'm like sifting through the this party and i'm going through the trash seeing what was up um it's funny like because the dwarves do seem to be quite the the like tough matchup for a lot of armies but i never <laughs> really see them talked about as a like high tier army um yeah was it, they were, were they more they like were, were they more like a i don't know like a knight's army like like a like a like a gatekeeper you beat this kind yeah. of check like a they, gatekeeper 100 gatekeeper for me at least that's what i found yeah um it's funny like i found uh good empire armies were a better version of the dwarf army because they were the, essentially much of the same uh, way less debuffs but a, a lot more relative relative buffs but on worse stat lines so it was weird um but what i found was um there was a couple of armies that were just kind of punk dwarves. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them was Chaos. Chaos would do really well into dwarves because they'd have similar saves. They could pretty much just walk up, take the charges. But in addition, they'd if they if they managed to force through like one premium purple sun, the game was over. Um, you know, you just hit the iron breakers or the hammerers in the side yep. with the purple sun from a manticore sorcerer. Game's over. Pack up. Um, which is one thing I didn't like about Eighth Edition that you could just force one spell through and the game would be kind of nulled. Um, that's but and the, other was, the other one was uh, Lizardman was what pa- used to play, mate. Oh yeah, um, Lizardman, Lizardman yeah. fucked dwarves uh, pretty hard. Uh, <laughs> there's gonna be some bleeps in this one. Uh, there's hard. one other one. There's one other one that messed him up. But I'll, I'll wait for you to finish your. No, reference. I just like if you ran, um, if you ran like skink spam into them, you generally just ran around them. Your chameleon skinks blew up all their artillery before they could do anything. Um, and then you poisoned it out. Yeah. yeah, and then your slans would uh, would deal with everything else because you were either purple sunning them or you were using lore of shadows or lore of metal. Lore of metal was very popular with yeah. lizardmen because of skink spam because it was like 
The only thing I can't deal with is high armor saves. So how about I just take the one thing that doesn't give a shit about armor saves and you just like wrecked so much face. It was so fun. I loved it. The other one was Skaven. I found Skaven into dwarves. Dwarves did not like. No, I agree. I, well, lightning cannons are really good into them. Um, well, exactly. The yeah. lightning cannons, the the rocket, even the hell pit could pose some issues. Yep. I mean, but the hell pit was just like cannon bait, so it wasn't a big deal. Yep. I um, love how the, it sounds like you guys could literally go to a tournament tomorrow and play fantasy. Uh, I, I genuinely think I could. <laughs> <laughs> I genuinely think I could. I yeah, I, I may be dulled, but I remember. <laughs> I was there. Yes, ten thousand years ago. Uh it's it's funny, like I also keep getting stressed out about like not having any terrain and then I was like, Well actually it's probably not that big of a deal. <laughs> not a big deal. Like not a big deal. Um so how does this like back to the original question, how do you quantify playing a dead game? Like, how do you quantify putting money into a game that doesn't exist? Um, well, this is something that I've always seen people say <clears throat> glibly, and I've always been like, "Yeah, you're dumb." Which is, it's not actually <laughs> dead. Yep. Like all of these, like all of these editions uh, I mean, exist still, right? <laughs> so, yeah. Like they're they're frozen in amber, so they don't Just, change. I mean, but, like, is this is this a comparison to the Sex Pistols? You know, you know punk you know, is is dead, but the, the music still exists. <laughs> sure. Uh, that's been, I've actually uh, never heard that reference. Very good, good old uh, Johnny Ratten. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, so like it's been—I mean, it's been a real solo journey, sparked largely, I think, by um, for whatever reason not being super into Ninth Edition. I don't think it's anything specific. I have also pandemic. I'm freaking spending my time alone anyway. Wound up playing a lot of Total War, a lot of Vermintide too. So like a lot of the yeah. A lot of the cool stuff that I was really immersing myself in that was Warhammer related were all in the sort of the fantasy world. So I kind of got mm-hmm. got into the idea of giving it a shot. And all this stuff's still there. And like all the like you can go get the eighth edition rule, like the full eighth edition rule set repackaged by somebody who's like edited together all the errata, put all the FAQs in the right places, yep. cut pasted all the all the army books so that you know you don't have to flip back and forth in stupid ways. Um, so like it's just I don't know it's been fun and it's been neat to just sort of immerse myself in a game that I've uh, you know is familiar because it's still Warhammer but is not uh, something that um, I don't know I'd, I'd never played because I'd, I'd never seen many of these model ranges like the mm. last fantasy edition I had interacted with was probably fifth uh, so I think that's Bretonian's Lizard Men yep. um, so like that would have been the last time I played fantasy myself and obviously there's a massive change not obviously but there was a massive change coming into uh, Sixth edition, which would have been the the equivalent to forty k third edition for fantasy. How um, how wild is it that these days we're like we're people in the forty k community are losing their minds because they haven't gotten a ninth edition codex yet, and fairly so by today's metrics. But that Bretonian book you just mentioned from fifth edition, that was the same book they were playing at the end of the <laughs> the end of the freaking game. <laughs> yep, I like, don't think that's not true. That's not true. They, is, they would have, would have been the sixth edition book that lasted the end. Would have had to have been because like no, the, was, I'm pretty sure it was the fifth edition. But I might be wrong. You, could you might be. Be. It was it was a different system. Like it like they they like like sixth, seventh, eighth. They're all sort of it's sort of like uh, third through seventh is kind of the same system. It'd be like but, saying like it'd be like playing seventh edition 40k with a second edition codex. But can you see the the, the funny comparison? Like oh, people, yeah. <laughs> I mean, people have got well, uh, legitimately, like the Chaos Space Marine codex. That has been uh, someone said it's like, well, it's going on four years now since that codex. 
Yeah, it was a garbage yeah. codex too. Like it's it's well, it's, no, it was good. It was good upon release. It had some right. cool things that no one else could do, like double shooting with Slanesh and Veterans sure. of the Long War was cool, and all the Zerkers and the tri- like the four nurse occultists had to take that make them reasonable. Um, I don't know. Like well, it most, was most of the builds that uh, that came out of that in early eight that I remember were like kind of like leaning on some spammed units that. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, there's always like, been stuff that people it, have like squeezed out of it, obviously, but like. I don't it was, think it's. I don't think it lives up to like what Chaos Space Marines could be if they actually put their well, back into it. Literally, Chaos Space Marines, the faction has had one good codex. Yeah, yeah. it's like Orcs was. Was it? The, <laughs> it was the second edition codex. Yeah, it was the was the 3. only point five is what everyone talks oh, three, about. That's the one. Three point five. Yeah. What's what's the second edition one that was really good? I'm thinking about. Never mind. Never mind. Um, I don't think anyone but, ever mentioned second, but anyway. Yeah, man, I'm just tripping. But yeah, that's how funny is that? Like, people will literally go close to a decade with the same book in fantasy, like the Wood Elf book as well, uh, which only got updated like five minutes six... before midnight. Exactly. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Just before the end times kicked in. Like, <laughs> here you go. Congratulations. Enjoy. Uh, and the game's dead. <laughs> it was oh, so rough. It's 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 been interesting from like a like as a one of my favorite things about this hobby always has been watching it. So like both from like the business perspective, games workshop, the community, how it reacts to change, all that kind of stuff. So like going back and looking at fantasy and what's, uh, you know, how it all kind of went down to wind up with them being like, you know what, we'll do something else with this. Um, is interesting. And I think it's, it's hard not to argue that a lot of, and I would like to argue this in a podcast at some point, like a like a podcast series if I ever for some reason make the time to do it. But like um it's hard to not argue that a lot of the reason why fantasy failed is because GW failed fantasy. Um they like it was left to to sort of die and then they squeezed every drop they could out of whoever was still trudging along with it. Mm. And um and like when when they when they blew it up, they had just redone like a bunch of the lines. Like Wood Elves had a big refresh. Um, I also had a big refresh. Like it, it, it was very strange, and uh, and so yeah, the lack of support I think probably did not help the fact that no one really liked it um, by the end. And it's like listen to everyone talk about uh, the Elder Ring. Is it Elder Rings? Elden Ring. You mean Elden Ring? Yeah. Doesn't everyone talk about Elden Ring, which is you know a mid, like high mid fantasy game you know like in like game of thrones which is a low fantasy setting like to say that you know fantasy was not appealing because it was fantasy uh rather than like cool sci-fi is asinine that's a fallacy yeah total fallacy yeah it yeah and um anyway so yeah i think there's a lot of meat on that bone to explore like what what are the things that uh contributed to fantasy's demise and building on that, like you look at what the other side of the court was, or what was on the next page after the end times, Age of Sigma, and what first edition Sigma was, mm-hmm. um, and you you got to be like, did they think this all the way through before <laughs> beforehand? Are they sure? Are they sure this is this has been like years in the making? I'm not convinced. I'm not convinced it wasn't, you know, one year of lead time with uh, whatever. We can speculate on that till the cows come home. But that's a good segue. Anybody playing video games? Pete, you playing anything? <laughs> I'm playing uh, Horizon Forbidden West right now uh, when I can. Yep. That's really about nice. it. Nice. Yeah. A little bit of magic, a little bit of uh, Storybook Brawl. Storybook Brawl took up a lot of my life here the last few months while I was deep in trying to figure out things. So 
because it's a kind of mi- almost mindless game. Nice. What about yourself, Val? I've uh, actually, because of Elden Rings. Yep. Sure. Uh, I have. It caused me to look at at video games again because uh, I rarely check in. But I like. I tend to only really like strategy games that give me a power boner. So like, I need my Total War franchise. I need something from Paradox. Something like really like God tier, telling a bunch of men to go fight battles for me. Yeah. Um, and there's a cool little mix of of that. Something called <laughs> Bannerlord. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. The trained counselor in me wants to unpack that. <laughs> yeah, sure, 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 sure. But anyway, let's just keep, there, moving. keep moving. Never, there, never there, stop moving. Is there a correlation between your position on the Frontline Gaming Network and your <laughs> and your desire? For, never mind. Um, I've been playing uh, Arena again, MTG Arena again. Yeah, me too. Because uh, because my well, it's how I connect with my brothers. Oh. I got I got three brothers, and we all we all played Magic together growing up. And um, during the pandemic, we all jumped on, and like we'd play, we'd we'd mess around and and play Arena together you know, once or twice a week. And yeah, it's just been my kind of way of connecting with my brother still. So I'm, I kind of play maybe an hour a day between all the other mm-hmm. bits and pieces I do. That's been pretty good. But, um, I don't even want to, I get a, nervous thinking about magic because I think I would probably really have a great time playing magic. <laughs> it's, it's pretty dangerous for me. I don't yeah. spend any, I don't spend any money on it. I treat it like, yeah, a lot of things. If I can't, if I can't craft it with, uh, what I can make, yeah, I won't put any dollars into it. I just kind of refuse to put any money into it. Just one of those things. I'll just plug away. I put, the, I, uh, I put like the 20 bucks in when a new set comes out, and that's about it. For like the Mastery Pass or whatever? Yep. Yeah, that's fair. Most of my brothers do the same. But yeah, but man, I miss playing Commander. Uh, I, do, you know, do, you know, do you reckon that'd be cool for 40k? if we Because like, essentially Commander would be the equivalent of, of the Highlander format. Do you think that like... Do you think that could be a, like an actual legitimate like JDub endorsed thing one day? I don't know. I don't. I don't. I. I mean, eh, you know what? I don't think so. I don't think they'd ever yeah, do that. I think they. I think they're too hateful. <laughs> it seems to me like it. Well, so I, uh, do you guys know much about Crusade? Yes, I do. I know a good amount about was, it. It's kind of a. So it's, it's an interesting system to me. It seems for for the casual thematic format, it seems quite dense. It, it seems is. It's very dense. Extremely dense. Um, and maybe I'm wrong, and it shouldn't be called the casual format. It should be called the story, the thematic format, because that probably it gives it more credence. Um, but like, what if that format? Well, what if an additional format was called, and it was just like the 1200 point format, like the bridge between Kill Team and and you know proper 2000 point 40k and it was like the 1000 to 1500 point format and it was just highlander you mm-hmm. just get to take one of one of everything one of anything yeah be interesting yeah i think it'd be cool i think i think there's like <clears throat> tremendous amount of room for formats um and it's interesting maybe it's just that the player base isn't wide enough yet to like really encourage a whole lot of different ways of playing um How, mm, I, I think big, i think um yeah. with uh with Crusade and it being crunchy is actually, I think that's great uh, because previously the narrative, like people who, actually, I kind of like the way you describe it, thematic gamers, people who want to sort of, you know, build their dudes and have a story and like mm. connect battles with one another, which actually sounds like fun. Um, you know, they were kind of left to their own devices for a long time. And it's like true. it was supposed to be, that was supposed to be like sort of the, 
you know, the highest form of, of Warhammer was playing those, that type of way, and they were given no structure uh, to mm. do it. So I think Crusade, Crusade actually answers one of the things that, um, you know, I'm in my various, like, loudmouthery, like, I, <laughs> opine, I, I, I opined for, because um, I felt like not having a valid format for those people to sink their teeth into meant that everyone wound up playing the same game, which doesn't, isn't a great fit for everybody. And I think Crusade mm. just gives, a, like, a, a worthwhile experience to the people who aren't necessarily into keeping up with match play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, so you're saying the, the crunchiness is offset by the immersion. Yeah, and you need that. Like, yeah. not everyone... I think that's... You were, you were talking about first, first edition AOS. I mean, that was, the, that was the ultimate letdown of that, which was, um, you know, people just want to play with their toys, so just let them play with their toys. <laughs> yeah, you know, let, them like, eat, let them eat cake. <laughs> right? <laughs> well, cake... Cake for breakfast, lunch, and dinner doesn't taste very good after a while, and um, and, and also it's it's like no people want to play a game like, and I think this is something that Games Workshop has come in and out of a lot is like realizing that like people want to know how to play the game, they want to know like the right way to use these rules, they want to know what's current, they want to know, um, mm. you know, they want things to be interesting and challenging and 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 have layers to it. Um, yeah. And, and they've they've been answering that almost uh, to the point of careful what you wish for. I, I think. Yeah. Do you remember mid uh, early mid eighth edition when we had a flood of board games? Like there was just it seemed like every other month there was a new board game being released. Like, did you guys ever play anything? The only one I ever played was um, was Silver Tower, which was which was awesome. I did play Silver Tower and I really enjoyed it quite a bit. I'd never played. Mm. Um, oh, what was it? like the fantasy. Uh, not the, the um, not the fantasy, the other one uh, that recently came out um, that was kind of like Silver Tower 2.0. But I did play Silver yep. Tower and enjoyed it pretty thoroughly. Because there was the there was the blood slaughterers. So there was the the corn one in the arena that came out. There was I suppose I suppose some of these were Aeronautica. Some of these were Titanicus. Speed, there was Speed Freaks. Speed, yep, there was the, Freaks. both of the horsey releases. Um, yep. there was, um, uh, there was the assassin one. Yes. There was, yep. um, uh, there's even more than that. There was the weird jet bike, Elder, uh, dark yep. Eldar one. Yeah. There, there were lots the, of them. Yeah. Yeah. There was aeronautica, which did come out as its own thing in seventh edition and then got replaced, uh, with the miniatures. So like the, the Titanicus scale, there's all of Warcry, all of kill team, all of Warhammer underworlds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All of Blood Bowl, Warhammer Quest, yeah, man, they just went crazy. They just decided they were going to like have a whole like side gig of side quests. <laughs> like it was, it's yeah, it was kind of interesting. It's funny that like there are so many um, systems that Games Workshop literally throws out there and abandons that other companies would build their entire business around. Um, something That's, like under, yeah, something like yeah. Underworlds, like, yeah, frustrates the hell out of me from like a business side things like you gave that if you give that to like a hungry marketing exec i mean like go sell this to every card shop in north america that's fair like like they would they would be able to make headway into area and you could see that that's exactly what that product's for that product is to get you into places that don't have room for six by fours that's correct and, and get get your shit on the shelves there and i don't know that they've ever actually leaned into that maybe they have because i don't go to a lot of card shops but like 
to me, and and they 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 put effort into it. Like they release stuff at almost too fast a pace by the looks of it. Mm. Um, or maybe it's just because every time I look over, it's been six months to a year, and it just seems like a lot. But <clears throat> you know, like that is their almost you know Magic the Gathering style model game, um, and uh, it just seems to be I don't know farting into the wind. It's fair. That's fair. I mean, I they barely register for me. Like I remember playing Silver Tower for like three times over like uh, a couple of months when it first came out. And that's literally all engaged. The only engagement I've had with the box games by G-Dub. So hopefully there's people out there playing it. I would love to play Necromunda. Like I'd love to find the time to get like a freaking warband together and enjoy Necromunda or hell Blood Bowl. I played Bob, like uh, OG rule Blood Bowl years ago, like years and years ago before, before G-Dub started supporting so it again. Peter took it, the wind right, right out of my sails on the whole Blood, blood Bowl topic. What do you mean? Why? savagely destroyed me. Oh, oh, <laughs> you played him and he just wrecked you. I mean, like, Val, you could have tried again. You were just... <laughs> I, ju- I just... Yeah, I mean... <laughs> meekly Blood Bowl, meekly accepted is, defeat. <laughs> well, it wasn't just that. I, like, I, it was, again, a pandemic thing where um, there's a really good like one-to-one Blood Bowl video game, which is, it just plays like the board game, and there's a really good Underworlds game uh, video game as well that plays like the board game um but um so like there were like blood bowl leagues and stuff and i and i tried you know playing it consistently but i don't know about you guys but when you're not rolling a f ton of dice and like everything kind of relies on that like 1d6 roll it's uh the spikes you know the variants can really just yeah and, the, and, it's, and it's a game that's uh, well known for the said variants. It's uh, yes, it is. Yeah, the thing. I, w- I always felt like uh, uh, Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit games were built upon similar metrics. Like just lived and died by ones and sixes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, mind you, I when Lord of the Ring, the Lord of the Rings game first came out, alongside the movies, I played the absolute crap out of that as a kid. Did you guys get into it? Um, the like the ones that came out with the movies? No, I didn't. Like yeah, the 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 Moria set came out. I played the crap out of that. Mm-hmm. Played the crap out of. I was playing Urukai. It was so much fun. I I loved that as a kid. Yeah, I um, I want to say when would have that been? That would have been late, sorry, mid to late high school. So I was still playing like 40k in the summers, but was probably towards the tail end of my first uh, ride through uh, miniature wargaming and. I mean, I saw Fellowship in theaters. I want to say seven times. Like, not exaggerating. Like, I just—it was like the most. I don't know. I feel. I feel about my first viewing of Fellowship. Like, I think like an older generation probably talks about like going to Star Wars in 1977. Mm-hmm. Like, they mm-hmm. did things in that movie that were just jaw dropping, like, unbelievable filmmaking to me. Agreed. And uh, uh, and it's interesting that the, the 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 game version of it just never appealed to me in the least another thing mm. by the way that i think killed Warhammer fantasy that's true yeah it did cut the market didn't it like because it would have yeah. been there's only so many people who, who are in love with uh, the fantasy setting and they only have so many dollars to throw every yeah. xyz paycheck um and, so that's and they're also point. spending money on it like they're mm-hmm. you know they're licensing it so like uh they <laughs> they gotta they gotta put effort into it because why otherwise why are you paying new line all that money right it's true it's real true i mean like but Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit are still getting supported. Like we had new models for that range come came out from Forge World like this week, um, yeah. and yeah, when was the last time <laughs> Fantasy got new models? But anyway, um, 
Well, it, it would be curious. It would be interesting to like see inside the black box once and just see like how like w- like. And I guess you kind of. I've, I've never. You could probably get an idea just looking at online communities uh, to see if there's any prevalence to these games. Uh, but I do wonder because they like Blood Bowl has been cr- like insanely supported. Like uh, mm. you know, Necromunda two. Um, you know, so like all of these games are like they're getting the full brunt of of Games Workshop's efforts, and I and I wonder if they they get value out of it or not. So uh, here are some differences, yeah. So the Bl- Blood Bowl never stopped. The same yeah. people who are playing Blood Bowl now were playing Blood, who never stopped playing Blood Bowl from like first edition Blood Bowl when it originally came out. It's the same cohort. So the 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 market never left. The Blood Bowl market never diminished, never went away. Same people still playing the game. And so they always just had this captive audience that never got really taken away. There was other um, similar games that came out. I can't remember what they were called. There was, um, but I remember playing it and thinking, this is just this is just like Blood Bowl patched with some other some other miniature line. Um, yeah. And so for, for G-Dub, they would just be like, well, there's just money sitting on the shelf, which is why I feel like, I feel like Old World's coming back. Like, I feel like Old World's coming back because like these Total War games have kept a churning community. There are still eighth edition events being played all over the world. Like it's <laughs> kind think, of wild. To think that to think that they basically had a game about to launch. So like uh, the Creative Assembly deal is signed in I want to say twenty twelve to like create the Total War games. And just so Val doesn't know that for sure, he's just speculating. No, I do know that for sure. Oh, that's, really? That's on that's on the internet. The press release, oh, the first, uh, yeah, the first press releases is 2012. So what we don't know is when when do they decide to stop supporting fantasy as a game? Um. So and and I I find that fa- I find that just sort of an interesting question because, um, if they decided to uh they decided that they weren't going to keep making the the game in a tabletop version. And Creative Assembly goes into that agreement knowing that it's a different situation to them signing a deal with Creative Assembly and later saying, actually, we're not going to do the tabletop thing. And then the follow-up question to that is, which one, which one would be smarter or would Creative Assembly care? You know, like, um, certainly it's, the dumb, it's super dumb for, for GW because, I mean, look at what Dawn of War did. And, and yeah. all the all the various oh, and you know, knockdown franchises. It's, it, I've read I've read somewhere that um, Total War Warhammer is the most popular Total War game by far, right? Total War game correct? for sure. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. And, and it, it it was like in I can't remember if it was the first, but I mean it was in the top five best selling games of that of the year it was launched. The original. I can't remember if that's somebody it's told true, me. That. It's, it's it may, it been, like it, for its it, for, it may for have its been, genre, like it's it may have been in may have not been in that year. It may have been in that quarter of release or something. Um, yeah, no, number one in the world just seems unreasonable for me to speculate on. Um, it's uh, it's um, it's it's interesting to like look at how Creative Assembly has has used that license. I mean, they've basically so, again they signed in twenty twelve. We're ten years into this this deal at this point. They're, they just launched the third game. Um, but, you know, Warhammer 2, which would have launched, I think, just as I started to play, 2016. So six years ago, was getting probably three or four DLCs a year. Yeah. Um, yep. You know, like it was insanely supported um, and being patched. And it was, it, you know, it was very much a living game all the way through. And the same would be said about the original Warhammer, uh, the original Warhammer Total War. So it's, it's, um, 
it's just it's interesting just how how passionately they've they've supported it and how ardent the, the fan base is because you can see on the like average amount of people who are playing it when you know when something new comes out for it like it would spike in a big way um so anyway that is all to say who knows what might have been um it sure seemed like a sure would have seemed like a good way to reinvigorate a franchise yeah um and now uh you know <laughs> very much after the fact uh gw might come back and uh, and take a shot at it all right, all right, all right. We're gonna just we're gonna wrap up in a couple of minutes. Uh, I hope this. I hope you guys have enjoyed this little just ramble along episode. Um, if it's not your cup of tea, I do apologize. We'll have some crazy dense reviews coming up. Yeah, what he, he doesn't said. take responsibility for anything. <laughs> no, it's not my fault. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. If you guys um, just calm down, so, right. the game is so, so bad right some, now. Just deal with it. Some fun questions to wrap up. Okay, starting with you, Peter. Yeah, rank the the original Lord of the Rings trilogy one to three. From best to worst, in your opinion. Best to worst? Ooh. Uh, two, three, one. So, Two Towers is number one? Yeah. Wow, fascinating. Yeah. Return of the King and then Fellowship? Yep. And the only reason why... Are we saying extended version or theater release? Extended. Uh, extended. Okay. What are I, I, could buy, I could buy that. <laughs> but in the theaters, Two Towers was broken. It, it needed to be patched. So, <laughs> so like, yep. uh, Return of the King... The ending of Return of the King is perfect, other than when you're like at whatever I can't remember how old I was, twenty year old kid in the theater who is like massively into the books, but really doesn't give a shit anymore because I've been in the theater for three hours. Yeah, right. And that's kind of what did it for me. It was like in retrospect, like this is the way it should have ended because it's all these guys effectively forgiving Frodo for being an idiot. Um, but also saving the world. <laughs> uh, so they're all hugging and making out and stuff. And you're like, yeah, yeah, these are what best friends do. Kudos. But like when you're like, you know, 20 and you're like, God, I really need to piss. I've drank two of these big lug fucking seven ups. Um, How did I go for a refill and not go pee? Yeah. Why, <laughs> why did I do this? Um, not the same. Not the same. But just, yeah. Okay. So, there. That's okay. for me. Two, three, one. So. Two two towers number one. That's very interesting. Yeah. Um, oh, with the extended cut, it just makes it so much better. Anyway, it, it, I agree. Uh, Val, um, well, I'm gonna just go like uh, from my theater experience. I would go one three two because that um, again, just from the impact Fellowship had on me and mm-hmm. like just how awesome I thought it was. Um. Uh, yeah, I like. Yeah, it was. It was. It was just a staggering film for me so yeah I, I have to put fellowship one even if you know it's definitely not the most epic of the three and like i could definitely see why two and three would would easily slide into the in front of it but to me it was the most meaningful so i'm gonna go with that yeah. i spent my life denying that that to myself obviously no one else gives a shit i mean cares uh that big lebowski isn't my favorite movie like, there's gotta <laughs> be there's gotta be another movie out there that's like what that, is that I, I'm favorite? more like more more uh, uh, you know appreciative of, but no doubt. What beats life. out? What beats out the dude? What's your favorite movie? The Big Lebowski, like 100. percent Like it took oh, okay. me a long time you... to go there, though. Like oh. it just felt like it felt like um, that can't be my favorite movie, you know, kind of a thing. But it's just there's no doubt. <laughs> this, yeah, no. It's I mean, Princess Bride's now. a much better movie, Val, but it's okay. You're allowed to be wrong. <laughs> Would you call Princess Bride your favorite film? Oh yeah, I'd watch. If if you put me on an island and you're like, here's a TV, you can have one Blu-ray disc, um, what would it be? 
I would be like, put that Princess Bride in there, buddy. I will watch this till I die. <laughs> I will watch this till I fucking Love die. It. All right. It's all right. a great film. We're going to have to bleep so much of this. Seamus, oh, chop chop. I'm really you sorry. I this forget one. that you, like, you, okay. you, you so produce you know this for children. And, um, instead, right. instead of saying uh, shit from here on, I'm just going to say Seamus. I'm going to say poopy butt. That's what I'm going to say. I'll give a Seamus. The entire, the entire time. <laughs> um, all right. Next, next question for you both. Pete, where do you put Rogue One in the gamut of your top three, top five Star Wars films? Oh, jeepers. Um, oh, poopy. You don't have to tell me the rest of the rankings. Just which one? Is it first, second, third, fourth, fifth? Or none of them? Rogue One. Uh, fourth. Fifth? Fifth. Yeah, let's say fifth. Fifth, fifth sounds good. Fair. Fifth yeah, sounds fair. appropriate okay. for me. I want, I want to ask you what the rest of them are now, but I don't want to know. Uh, Val? <laughs> As time has gone on and I've become more and more crotchety towards the entire concept of Star Wars and the Star Wars franchise, um, Rogue One is probably one of the only films that I've seen like on release, aka not part of the first three, that I wasn't incredibly pissed off when I left the theater after seeing it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would have to rate it pretty highly. And as I've gotten older, because of the bitterness uh, from which I view, for example, the prequels, mm-hmm. which yep. all of them are hot, burning pieces of shit. And then the, I mean, Seamus. Seamus. Um, yeah. and, then, uh, and then the whatever you call the last three mm-hmm. hunks of garbage. Mm-hmm. Um, I, like, I realized that Jedi was already there like it was everything that we came to loathe about everything is actually in jedi in return of the jedi and mm. and i think we were just it, it i hate the fact that i was just the dumb kid who thought that you know the jive talk and alien was funny you know because <laughs> stupid kid there's a dumb alien don't <laughs> don't don't fall for this nonsense but i fell for ewoks so i'm yeah. kind of embittered against I mean, the Ewok uh, movie was the best of the Star Wars movies. The Christmas special? No, yeah. no, the, the Christmas special. The, the one with the wow. the one with the children, and they end up and like the there's a giant and shit. Like that's the best Star Wars movie. <laughs> the only one that tops that is was the live action uh, Ninja Turtles musical on stage. Yeah, that's that's the creme de la creme of of all of all. I'm gonna have uh, to look that up. Theater. Uh, I have um, seen a Lord of the Rings musical. So to answer your question, it's gonna sound absurd, but like when I think of like what are sp- Star Wars movies that I can just enjoy at this point in my yep. life, it's probably like Empire Strikes Back and Rogue One. So fair. Two. Even New Hope, I just find so boring now, and like any, it's just it's it's a sad state of affairs, and this is why I broke up with Star Wars and never looked back. Um, <laughs> Yeah. The the second most recent one, the of the of the the third trilogy, the the second one, I don't I can't remember what it's called. I don't want to remember. It broke me. I I haven't watched a Star Wars film since that. I didn't watch the entire. I walked out of that cinema. Um, actually, no, 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 I didn't. I didn't. I watched that whole movie. Um, and then I refused to go and see the the next one, and I refused. I have not watched a single Star Wars film since. I and I <laughs> checked out. I've completely checked out. It broke me. Whatever the first one of the new, the newest, like the 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 postquels mm-hmm. trilogy was, whenever when I'm sitting there and I'm like, you better not be a Death Star, don't be a Death Star, don't be a, don't be a fucking yeah. Death Star. And then it was a Death Star. I was like, Jesus 
And I like I like turned around and looked at the audience. I'm like, are you guys believing this? <laughs> like, <laughs> is everyone just okay with this? What what is this? <laughs> They're pissing on us now. Like, like 1990, what was it? Was it 99? I think it, yeah, it was 1999 when Phantom Menace came out, and we'd all like we're you know we're all like impressionable children, and like just the emotional high. Like I had been like at that point in my life, I knew probably more about Star Wars than I've known about any topic in my life since. I probably forgotten more about Star Wars than I than I have known about anything else since. Like I'd read all the friggin' EU novels and like, yep. oh. yeah. like you know, oh, wow, I, like, wow. I, I had to, I'm I, learning I something too. about you. Yeah, I, the, the 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 trilogy of books they retconned to make this hot freaking garbage that they uh, released recently. I was so into those books. I loved them and I thought they were amazing. And yeah, I had already read those by the time I. Th- no, no, it was by the time I finished the prequel trilogy. I, I, maybe by the time of Attack of the Clones. So you're um, a little bit you're a little bit ahead of me. At at any rate, so like we we'd all seen the the theatrical releases of the the new editions or or whatever, and like Jabba's tail getting stepped on and mm-hmm. all that nonsense again. Mm-hmm. Not seeing the warning signs, <laughs> and then you know like the, the the like theater like everyone lined. It was the first movie I ever lined up for. Like not even for take. Like I just lined up for it. Like people are dressed in. It's the first time I've seen people like dressing and cosplay. Like that's something that that's kind of neat. Like the, like people were dressed as various characters, and we go in. It's like this big epic thing, and it like all happens. And then it's like Naboo and stuff, and uh, there's this pod race and this dumb kid, and it's the worst, Gungans. stupidest yeah. movie. Mm-hmm. And it was just such a betrayal. Like I I remember like like the next day, like I used to do the announcements at my at my high school, like just be like, don't. Don't see Star Wars as garbage. <laughs> you know? Oh man, you were that and, kid. <laughs> and it was, uh, yeah, no, and uh, and I just spent the next however many years of 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 Star Wars things coming out, just pissing in people's cornflakes because there are people who just like to go see Star Wars movies and don't get emotionally distressed when it is so terrible and embarrassing that you like it. Um, so anyway, that was an impassioned reason why I broke up with Star Wars very pointedly. Uh, I believe, I mean, it was, we were on, the, it was, it was, you know, close to the, the, the no longer liking Star Wars. And then I think Attack of the Clones, I saw very late in release. And I don't think I even bothered seeing Revenge of the Sith. I did see it on DVD and it actually almost brought me back. But then at the end of the film, Darth Vader breaks free mm. from a platform, breaks some chains and literally screams, no. Yeah, like perhaps the most cliched movie thing you could ever like. You wouldn't do that in like a high school film class project. They did it to end the story arc of the creation. Of it, it so, but it did make so, it did make my favorite uh, comedy uh, stand up comedy sketch of all time, um, which is Patton Oswalt's um, uh, <laughs> "What Would I Do If I Went Back in Time and Got to um, and and Got to Stop." The trilogy from ha- the, uh, the, the trilogy from happening. <laughs> it, you gotta watch this. It is, this it is one of the funniest. It's him meeting George Lucas uh, and and George <laughs> oh Lucas God. explaining the trilogy to him. Like, cause he, he goes <laughs> and, he, and he and it's like him as a child meeting George Lucas, or not as a child, but like yeah. as an adult. But he goes back before it happens and he's explaining it to him, and it is the funniest thing. Like the back and forth they have. Is the Star Wars filibuster? No, no, that's also absolutely incredible. But uh, yeah, no, this one, it's like, 
it's all about like George Lucas, like constantly being like, Hey, do you like this? And Patton Oswalt being like, yeah, I love that. Is that going to be in the next movie? And he's like, well, no, it's going to be that. But as a kid, so it's like constantly like, do you love Darth Vader? Yeah, I love Darth Vader. He's so awesome. He's got the mask and he's just so cool. He's like, well, what if you got to meet Darth Vader when he was a kid? And he's like, Okay, that's, <laughs> that's okay, I guess. I guess not like as, yeah. not as cool, but I mean, maybe there'd be like he, I get he's like an evil kid, right? No, he's just a kid and he likes to race. Like he likes to race cars. <laughs> and you're like, oh, well, that's okay. And then it go and it just keeps getting worse and worse, and he keeps getting angrier and angrier with him. And at the end, uh, he, like George Lucas is like, so do you do you like Angelina Jolie? And this is uh, you know at a different time when like she was much younger. And he's like, oh yeah, I love Angelina. She's so attractive. And he's like, oh yeah. Well, here's a picture of John Voight's ball sack. And <laughs> um, just just nails nails oh it. God. Just nails it. Anyway, incredible. Uh, so sorry, Shane. Everyone who who listened uh, to me doing my bit, go listen to a professional do that bit. Do that. Pete just remembering uh, it was fantastic. It is one of my fantastic. favorite skits. Uh, like up there with a lot of Eddie Izzard stuff. Who one of my favorite comedians? Like Pat Oswalt's probably Planting my flags favorite. on things. Yeah, yes. between Eddie Izzard and Pat Oswalt, like they are, they're 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 a tag team come true for me. So, mm. um, so I was I was watching Return of the Sith, you know, in cinema after really not liking Attack of the Clones. I thought it was so riddled with. Dumb sequences, plot holes, overused CGI that actually looked terrible, poor acting, and it was a train wreck. So Return of the Sith was doing okay for me. Like I was like, oh yeah, yeah. they're wrapping, they're kind of wrapping this up decently. Like they're going to stick okay. the land, yeah. they're going to stick the landing after messing up at every other point. Awesome. And then Padme, who was an ass kicker, like political, like you know, very clever strong independent amazing woman just decides she doesn't want to be alive anymore and effing dies just as she gives birth to two kids who you would think would give her purpose to live like she's just like i'm shared dead and you just would like what the you couldn't okay so you spent like what three days figuring out how to how to engineer a a yoda versus uh palpatine fight alongside you know obi-wan versus anakin Amazing sequence, and then you just like this this ass kicking lady. This is essentially the only pivotal female character in the entire thing, like the pre layer layer ass kicker, and you just that was the best you got. And then the no straight after that, I was like, I literally was just <laughs> I was I was, yeah. I was furious. I was just like, those are what you're going to end this on. You're going to end this on oh, I'm shared. I'm going to I'm going to not live anymore after just giving birth to two children. You know, mm-hmm. I just gave birth to two children. I am now a mother. Nah, I'm a piece of shit. I'm just going to decide to die now. Um, and like, and then Darth Vader's no. And I'm just like, I was, oh my god, I was just like, oh, this is okay. This is okay. Oh my god, this is worse now because I thought it was going to be okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It was actually it was actually just such a like. Just such a wonderful, like, just tap in the nutsack as, as like, oh. you, know, you, you resolved everything, and then he's like, nope, yep. got yep. both of them. You just doubled over. You're like, you son of a bee. I can't believe yep. I let you back into my heart. You son like, of a bee. Yeah, you, th- <laughs> you, you think you think of like, uh, if that was a, you know, a, a springboard dive at the Olympics or something, and you're like. <laughs> So many flippy spinnies, and then just they, they belly just flop. R- they just ran up and were starting a belly flop, and then just kind of did a couple of twists and turns, and then you were like, "Oh yeah, this could come good, come good." 
Yeah, and then they just explode, and their guts <laughs> just hit the water, and you're like mortified. Like this is the death of cinema. This is the death of springboard diving. Yeah. <laughs> this is the death of Star Wars. <laughs> All right, that's that's gonna do us. I think that's gonna wrap us up. But we're not done. We've got another part two. We're actually gonna talk about 40k in this part, and we're not gonna hold back. We're gonna talk about and say whatever we feel and whatever we think about the current state of the game. You might be interested. You might not. This might have thoroughly put you off listening to me or either of these fine two gentlemen ever no, again. No, it wouldn't. That's okay, too. It wouldn't. And if it would, it's <laughs> not my fault. So that's... Well, it's, it's their poor taste. <laughs> they like bad movies and... Yeah, yeah. They, mediocre yeah. action mediocre figures. Mediocre action that's right. figures. That's right. Well, we I love you both. He-Man action figures. But anyway, let's... Were they good though? Like, yeah, I mean, they were. They were good. A little bit before my time. I, I, know about you guys. I broke the crap out of my first He Man. I never got another one, but it was a bit before my time. Mm-hmm. So I think I got a second hand anyway. Might have been pretty it's okay. busted. It's okay. Yeah. Let's move on. Uh, let's move on. We'll see you over <laughs> in part two if you were at all interested. If not, stay tuned. In the next couple of weeks, we're going to have some. Well, we've got, we got a Tyrion Curtis coming. We've got Adepticon. We've got some crazy, awesome stuff on the horizon. Hopefully, a balanced data sheet as well to hopefully make sense of this. We're going to talk about it next. We, we'll talk about that soon. <laughs> so join us there. Thank you so much for coming along. Pete, Val, thank you so much. I love you both. Anything either of you would like to plug before we sign off? Nope. Sick. Uh, uh, Grim After Dark Mondays, Chapter Tactics Tuesdays, uh, 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 Signals on the Frontline recording right now, which is Wednesdays, and then Thursday, the Thursday show starring Adam Camilleri, one of the greatest hosts in the universe. If you don't get enough Adam, I don't know if that's possible, but you could get more. Listen to the Thursday show on the Frontline Gaming Network. I love that I don't plug my shows on my show. I don't know. It feels weird. Feels like it feels bad. It feels wrong. But thank you for plugging my show on my show, Val. Much appreciated. Uh, um, talk to you later, guys. Hope you guys enjoyed the ride. See you on the other side. Pete, do the thing. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Art of War Down Under, a content review podcast for Warhammer 40K. Hosted by Adam Camilleri. Produced by Seamus Ronan. Enjoyed the show? Want your lists reviewed and the content you heard put into practice? Sign up to our Patreon and connect with us online or on Facebook. Just search for Art of War Down Under. Signing out from tomorrow.